Well, it is a wonderful day today, and dads, once again, we thank God for you, and uh, we hope that you will feel special and loved on this a special Father's Day. We appreciate all that you do for your families and for our church. Um, and when we're done with this service, we have a special treat, not only for the dads, but for everybody here, okay? So today is Donuts with Dads, all right? And that means everyone gets to enjoy donuts, and not only donuts, we have milk, so donuts and milk, regular and chocolate, I believe. That's right there on the patio when we're finished. But before we go out there, because this is a special Father's Day, we always like to take pictures on special occasions. And so right after service, feel free to come up here and utilize our new backdrop as your photo booth. Okay, so invite your loved ones up here. Take a picture before you head out and enjoy your donuts and milk. Well, this morning, dads, I trust that God's Word will have a special message for you. But not only dads, this is for every single one of us here. No matter where we are in life, no matter what stage we're in, and my hope is that as we open God's Word, that every one of us here today, and everyone who is watching online, that you will experience the love of God in a very personal way. Next week, we're going to continue our series in the book of James. But this morning, we're going to explore a passage that I think many of us are familiar with. And even if we've never read through this particular passage, my guess is that we've heard about this story. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 15. And today we're going to be in verses 11 to 32. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And to begin our time, I'll read verses 11 to 16. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. This is a well-known parable spoken by Jesus. Now, many of us know this as the parable of the prodigal son. In fact, I think most of your Bibles have titled this section with those very words, the parable of the prodigal son son. And just so that you know this, you know the titles in your Bibles that separate the various sections? Just know that those titles, they weren't part of the original biblical text. They were just added there by experts, scholars, editors, to help us kind of navigate from passage to passage. And I would say this, for the most part, those titles, they're helpful. In this case, though, 
I believe the commonly known title, The Parable of the Prodigal Son, is actually taking our attention away from the most important character in this story. One definition of the word prodigal is wastefully extravagant. So yes, it's true. The son was wastefully extravagant. He lived recklessly. But did you know that there's another definition of the word prodigal? In fact, the original meaning of the word prodigal is this, lavishly abundant. So you can see the similarity between these two definitions. On the one hand, you have wastefully extravagant. On the other hand, you have lavishly abundant. So there are similarities, but do you notice how each of those paints a different picture in your mind? Wastefully extravagant, lavishly abundant. And as we unpack this parable today on this Father's Day 2021, I trust that our attention will be redirected to the one who is lavishly abundant. And so the title of my message is this, The Lavish Love of the Prodigal Father. The Lavish Love of the Prodigal Father. We've already read that this father had two sons. The younger son said, Dad, I want my portion of the inheritance right now. At that time, the law stated that the older son, the oldest son, was to inherit twice as much as any younger sons. Yeah, see, I'm a firstborn. Okay, any firstborn sons here? Right? That's right. Firstborn sons, we rule. All right? We get twice as much of the inheritance. But you see, it wasn't even the firstborn son who asked his dad for his inheritance. It was the younger of the two. And the very fact that this younger son went to his dad and demanded his portion when his father was still alive, it tells us something about the younger son. You see, by asking his father for his inheritance early, in essence, what the younger son was saying was this, Dad, I wish you were already dead. At that time, it was very rare for the oldest son to ask for his inheritance early. It was unthinkable for a younger son to ask such a thing. It was humiliating. It was outrageous. And in that culture, the father had every right to punish his son for such an outrageous demand. But the father doesn't. Instead, the father, he divides his property early and he gives it to his two sons. This included not only the house, the estate, but it also included the land. Now, 
If you know anything about land, you know how valuable and precious land is. Land is more than just soil. A person's identity is often tied to the land. It was true then, it's still true today. So if you lose your land, you lose a part of yourself. And in that day, to lose your land was a symbol of humiliation. It was an embarrassment if you lost your land. Everyone in the village would look at you and shame would be brought upon your household. But the father loved his sons so much that his love for them outweighed any humiliation and embarrassment that would be brought upon the family. And so the younger son takes his portion of his inheritance, he goes away to a distant country, and he squanders it in reckless living. We know that story. And when he's at the lowest point in his life, he finally comes to his senses, and he comes to the realization, and the realization is this, I need to go back home. I need to return to my father. And so he comes up with a plan. Let's continue on in verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. You see, when the younger son finally came to his senses, he realized that the best place for him was back at home. But here's the thing. He knew that by going back home, he would not be accepted as a son anymore. He knew that he did such a terrible thing that he could not be accepted back. But he thought, you know what? That's okay because I will settle for just being hired back by my dad. And I will just serve him like all the other hired help. That was his mindset. But look what happens at the end of verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now let's stop here. Remember, Jesus is saying this parable to people who are gathered there. And for those who are gathered listening to this parable, some of them in the crowd when they heard this part of the parable, they were not prepared for what they had just heard. You see, they were expecting to hear something like this. 
They were expecting Jesus to say, and the father, as he saw his son in the distance, he sat at his kitchen table, he was looking out the window, his arms were folded, he was shaking his head, steam rising from his head, and he's thinking to himself, that son of mine better come crawling on his hands and knees. That is what those in the crowd expected to hear Jesus say. But no, while the son is still a long way off, the father sees him in the distance and he runs toward him. Now, we cannot neglect to understand the significance of the father running. In that culture, fathers simply did not run. It was beneath them to run. You see, because here's what happened. When a father would have to run, he would have to lift up his garment so he wouldn't trip on it. That meant he would bare his legs. And fathers did not bare their legs. That was a symbol of shame and humiliation. It was beneath them. Kids ran around. Patriarchs did not run in that culture. You know what patriarchs did? They sat there and they waited for their kids to run to them. Dads waited for their sons and daughters to serve them hand and foot. And yet this parable tells us that the father runs to his son. And even before his son could get in a single word, the father embraced him and he kissed him. Now, we cannot miss this key fact here. There's a certain chronology that's very important to see here in this parable. The kiss came before the confession. Did you catch that? The kiss came before the son could even utter a single word. The father didn't wait for this long, drawn-out apology. This better be good. Fathers and mothers, have you ever stayed up late at night waiting for a child to come home? This better be good. Not this father. In Romans 5, verse 8, it says this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The kiss came before the confession. And what about the embrace? Keep in mind, the son spent his days in a muddy pig pen. You carry that stench with you wherever you go. You know, the natural odor of a boy's body is bad enough in and of itself. I could say that because I was a boy, all right? Parents, you know how it is, right? When you open the door of a boy's bedroom, there's a certain scent that kind of emanates from that room. 
that you don't get when you open the door of a daughter's room. Okay? It's just like that. The natural odor of a boy's body, that's bad enough in and of itself. A pig pen, that's on a whole different level. But did you notice in this parable? As a father runs to his son, he doesn't go, oh, whoa, whoa. Son, go get cleaned up first, and then we can talk. The father embraced his son, filthy and smelly rag and all. And I imagine this, that his father did not let go for a long time. And even before his son could apologize, the father stopped him and he tells his workers to bring the best robe. Go get the signet ring and bring the sandals. These are very symbolic. The signet ring in that culture, it, it was a very important piece of jewelry because it had the family seal on it. It was very symbolic. When you wore the signet ring, what that meant was you had the authority to make business decisions on behalf of your family. Because back then, when they signed contracts, they didn't use their signature. They used the seal on the signet ring. So whenever you walked around with this thing, it was authority. The best robe, it symbolized identity. The sandals, they identified, they, they symbolized dignity. Identity, authority, dignity, all these items, they all said to the entire village that this son is indeed his father's son. But the father didn't stop there. He calls for a celebration. He says, bring the fattened calf. Now, what this meant was this. At that time in the village, people didn't eat meat that often. When you ate meat, it was a special occasion. But then to order a fattened calf, that was like, that was beyond. That was extravagant. It was over the top. It was lavish. Have you ever been to a dinner at a host's home? And the host has prepared food fit for an army? And it's only like maybe you and a couple other people? When you go to the home of a generous host, you know, that host, they can't help themselves. Because of their hospitality, it doesn't matter how few people they are, they just, they just make as much food as possible so that they can take that home, send it home. So whether it's a party of four or 400, they just make it for 400. They just can't help themselves because they want to lavish their guests with hospitality. So they spare no expense. And let's admit it, when you go and when you're a guest somewhere and someone treats you to a really nice dinner, wow, you feel really special. When they spare no expense, it tells you the kind of heart that they have. In this parable, the father spared no expense. And here's an amazing 
comparison. I'm not sure if you, you caught this. The younger son, he was good at reckless living, extravagant living. Ironically, his father outdid the son in extravagance. The father was far more extravagant than the son. He spared no expense. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 tells us this. See what great love the father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. You know, every single one of us here today, everybody who's watching online, I imagine we can all think of dozens of reasons why God should not want to lavish his love on us. One author says this, the distant country is any place you go in your heart or your mind where you don't want God to know you're there. We all know our own distant countries, and so does God. None of it is a surprise to him. We can't hide anything from God. You see, in this parable, the father, he knew his son was living recklessly. He knew that when his son took his portion of the money and went off, he wasn't going to go save it. He wasn't going to put it in the bank. He knew his son was going to live recklessly. And yet none of that diminished his love for his son. It's one thing to throw a celebration for someone who's accomplished some, something very special. Graduation, great time for celebration. Anniversaries, retirement. These are all great occasions for celebrations. The return home of a rebellious child, in that culture, that was something that you dealt with quietly. It was too embarrassing. So when a wayward son came back home, the parents would just say hush-hush because of the embarrassment that was brought on to the family. It was shameful. It was humiliating. But for this father, it was the furthest thing from his mind. It was time to celebrate. And so begins the celebration. The entire family is back together again, and they are all rejoicing, right? Wrong. They are not all rejoicing. You see, the older son is working in the field. When he's done, he makes his way back towards his house. As he gets closer to his house, he hears music and dancing and people laughing and having a great time. So he calls a servant. Hey, what's going on in there? Well, sir, your younger brother is back. Your father has killed the fattened calf and he has welcomed back his son safe and sound. But I want you to see the older brother's response and then the father's response. Look at verse 28. But he, the older son, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Did you catch that again? The father came out again to meet his son, this time his firstborn son. 
The father didn't say to a servant, I'm in the middle of a party. I'm the host. I'm not going to leave. You tell my son to get in here right now. He had every right to do that. But instead, the father once again goes out to his son. And he's hoping that his son would realize how important the celebration was for the family. But the son didn't. Look at verses 29 to 32. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The common mistake when we read this parable is to think that it's all about the younger. Back home. And many people can return, I re- relate to that story. Right? It, it tugs at our emotions. It gives us hope. And so, yes, the younger son's story is an important one in this parable. But it's not the only story. When we consider the context and the people in that crowd, we can be certain that there were some of those in that crowd who were not wiping away tears after hearing a beautiful, sentimental story about the return of a wayward son. No. When Jesus spoke this parable, there were some in the crowd who were religious, including Pharisees. And when Jesus describe this journey back home of this wayward son. They stood there in judgment. They looked down upon that younger son. But then when Jesus proceeded to talk about the older son, these religious types got downright angry. They were offended because they knew that Jesus was talking about them. You see, because the older son represented many in that crowd who looked upon others in judgment. The tax collectors and the sinners in that crowd, they were guilty of all the obvious sins of the flesh. But the religious people, the Pharisees, they were guilty of the sins of the spirit. In other words, their outward display made attitude was an abomination. And they were no less guilty than the tax collectors. And in this parable, 
Did you notice that the older brother, he didn't even acknowledge his younger brother. He said to his dad, oh, when this son of yours. You know how we do that, right, sometimes? When we're angry at somebody, it's never like ours, right? That, that child of yours? He altogether disassociated himself with his brother. And in so doing, what he failed to realize was this. He failed to realize was more similar to his brother than he was different. Here's how they were alike. Both the older and the younger son, they both wanted the things of the father, but they didn't want the father. The younger brother, he tried to get the things of the father by being bad. He rebelled and he demanded his portion. The older brother, he was no less guilty. On the surface, it looks like he was good, but his motives were not. On the surface, yes, the older brother may have appeared to be the good one, but ultimately he was just as selfish. You see, they both wanted the things of the father, but not the father himself. And don't you think that the father actually knew that? He actually knew that. And yet he loved his sons. How heartbreaking must that have been for a father to know that and yet still pour out his love. He demonstrated his love to them lavishly in spite of the way they treated him. He went out looking for both of them. To his younger son, he went out before he could arrive back home. To the older son, he went out to meet him in front of his home. And the message to the younger son is this. Son, welcome home. You belong here. And the message to the older son is this. Son, please don't forget that this is your home. So make yourself at home. There's no place like home, right? There's no place like home. When you stay at someone else's house, no matter how nice it is, no matter how hospitable they are, it's just not like home. You just can't be free, right? In this parable, we see two very different stories. But they both have the same message, actually. We are at home in the Father, and He has lavished us with His grace. There's nothing we can do to earn favor with our Heavenly Father. He already loves us as much as a parent can can love a child. Parents, fathers, mothers, there's no way that we can love our children any more than we do. We would give anything for our children. And so this story here 
is about a God who lavishes his love on his children. No matter who they are, no matter how far they've gone. To all the fathers out here today, and to all the mothers, to all the children, to all the siblings, to all the church members, to all the guests. Have I covered everybody? In other words, to anybody who is here this morning. When we forgive one another, we get a glimpse into the heart of our forgiving Father. When we mess up, our Heavenly Father is watching and waiting for our return. And He always welcomes us back home. He always reminds us that we can make ourselves at home in His presence. This morning, I imagine there are some here in this room, some who are watching online. And you can relate more with the younger son. Maybe somewhere in your journey of faith, at some time, maybe you were close to God, but you strayed and you grew apart. And so you can identify with the younger son. And then there are those who might be able to relate to the older son. All your life, you did things by the book. You were obedient. You had no misstep. You never once came in a minute late at night. But maybe it's possible, somewhere along the line, that your motives became impure. Maybe you didn't do it because you actually loved your father and mother. Maybe you just did it thinking that you could earn favor by doing those things. You know, our individual stories, and there are many individual stories here, they're all very different. And yet, they all share one thing in common. And it's the most important feature in any of our stories. The one thing that you and I, no matter who we are, share in common is this. Our Heavenly Father has lavished His love on us. He lavishly gives us His abundant grace. So may we remember that on this day in which we celebrate our dad, that we have a heavenly father who loves us, who loves us deeply. And to all the dads out there, to all the dads that I see, thank you for your love for your families. Thank you for modeling Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice and your care for your family. Thank you for showing us the kind of love that our Heavenly Father lavishes on us. Dads, as you grow to be more like Jesus, I trust that your families will be blessed. And then if I can speak to those here this morning who might be missing 
your Father this morning. Maybe for those who will have a, an empty seat at the table tonight. For those who will be missing the father of your children. For those who will be missing that figure in your life today, may God pour his comfort and grace on you as you celebrate on this Father's Day. May we all experience the lavish love of the prodigal father. God bless you. Would you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day 2021, we thank you that you have lavished your love on us. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity to experience eternal life through your grace and through your mercy. And Father, I pray that this week, as we reflect on this parable, the lavish love of the prodigal father, that we would take the blessing of your love in our lives and we would extend that to all those that we touch. So thank you for your word today. Thank you for our fathers. Thank you for the special day. We love you. We thank you, our Heavenly Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.